some brands thankfully are starting to come around to seeing the value in a blog because a blog also lasts a lot longer, similar to Pinterest and brands are starting to see the value even in Pinterest. So I think that's helping people start realizing it. But I think that a lot of people just don't understand Pinterest. So they understand Instagram, they understand TikTok, you post a video, you post the photo. And so they know what to do there. They know about hashtags, but then on Pinterest, it's a whole different beast. Today, we are talking about Pinterest and This is not a social media platform that a lot of people find as sexy as Instagram or TikTok, and we're going to get into why that is, but also why Pinterest is perfect for the long-term game. Like, TikTok and Instagram are great for short-term sexiness, but if you want traffic to a website long-term, then Pinterest is where it's at. And I'm speaking with Christine Wheeler. She is the founder of Pinnovation Media, and she is just breaking down everything we need to know about Pinterest. She is sharing two things that people do wrong on Pinterest every day and the five things that we can do to get more traffic from Pinterest. These are easy step-by-step tangible things that you can leave this episode with and go and do today. Before we get into my interview with Christine, make sure you tap that subscribe button. Please leave me a positive rating and a review if you are liking what you are listening to. And remember that you can always find everything we discuss in the show notes for this episode right on your app or at becomeamediamaven.com. Ever wonder how some people seem to get all the media coverage, but you don't? Go behind the scenes with a TV reporter, national on-air host, and news contributor who has interviewed celebrities, took you inside the Versace mansion, and even stood on a chair to interview basketball legend Alonzo Mourning. Get ready, because Become a Media Maven is the podcast where Christina Nicholson is sharing secrets from her years in front of the camera, in the editing booth, and now behind the podcast mic. Christine, thank you for getting off of Pinterest for a little bit to come on my podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you. I'm excited to chat about Pinterest just because I feel like it's that social media platform that people kind of don't really think about because it's not as sexy as Instagram. However, it's a lot more beneficial for bloggers specifically to be on Pinterest if they want to get traffic to their blog. So I just want you to like break down the 101 on why that is, and then we can go into some strategy do's and don'ts, different things you're seeing on the platform. So first and foremost, like why is it the best place for bloggers to be when it comes to social media? So when it comes to social media, you have the big platforms like TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, those kinds of platforms where You post something and within 24 to 48 hours, it's usually dead. (laughs) You're not really receiving much traffic from it anymore. You're not receiving much more engagement on it. Whereas on Pinterest, one of my favorite things about it is the way that your engagement grows over time on a pin. So some of my best performing pins for my own blog are pins from a year ago, uh, pins from months ago. It's not pins from yesterday and then they die and are gone. It's the lasting Um, impact that they can have for a blog post. So you're not having to be as active on it as you are on some of the other social platforms. It can take a lot less time. And then the results that you get can be a lot, a lot bigger than what you would get on some of the other platforms. Another great thing about it is that people on Pinterest are trained to click off of Pinterest. So they're trained to click over to your blog. Whereas with Facebook, Instagram, 
um, they're trying to keep you on their platform and not trying to send you off to that blogger or to that small business to make your purchase or to read that blog post. So those are two of the big things that I really love about it. Do you feel like a lot of bloggers are not recognizing this or are they just not caring because it is a long-term game and because it's not as sexier, it looks as cool as Instagram. Like what's your thought on why? Cause I feel like we hear about Instagram 24 seven and it's like a constantly moving feed. Like you, if you're absent for three days, it's like, you're done. So yes. why do you think we're not hearing as much about Pinterest as we are these other platforms? So I think that some of it is that a lot of people have the idea when they start blogging, which I had the same idea that you need Instagram or you need these other platforms in order to get traffic without realizing the power of that more passive traffic that you can get from Google and from Pinterest. Another thing is I think a lot of people go into it thinking like, oh, I want to work with brands. I want to be able to get all these free products from brands. And a lot of times brands aren't seeing the value of a blog still. They're seeing the value of that Instagram following, that TikTok following, those engagement numbers there. Um, some brands thankfully are starting to come around to seeing the value in a blog because a blog also lasts a lot longer, similar to Pinterest and brands are starting to see the value even in Pinterest. So I think that's helping people start realizing it. But I think that a lot of people just don't understand Pinterest. So they understand Instagram, they understand TikTok, you post a video, you post the photo. And so they know what to do there. They know about hashtags, but then on Pinterest, it's a whole different beast. And so they just don't really know what to do. They've used it as a user probably for years. They use it to find it inspiration for their Instagram photos, for their travels, for their food, for their fashion, for their beauty, but they don't know how to use it to actually capitalize on it um, as a blogger, as a business owner. So tell me some of the things you're seeing that people are doing on Pinterest that are just terrible or <laughs> even in clients you take on. I mean, don't call them out by name, obviously, but yes. like when you take over a Pinterest account or just things, you know, you see when you're on and you're scrolling and clicking and searching, like what do you see that are big mistakes people are making on Pinterest? So two of the biggest ones that I see, and I'll start with the one that I see the most and that's the easiest to spot is pin design. You have to think about the user and the user is often going to be on mobile. I think it's something like 80 plus percent of Pinterest users are on the mobile app, not on the computer. And so a lot of times as bloggers were making their graphics on a computer. So you're seeing it a lot bigger. Well, then you post it on Pinterest and it goes onto a cell phone and someone cannot see the text. They can't read it. Another issue with the design is as females, a lot of times we tend to like the scripty, scrolly, pretty fonts. Those don't usually do so well on Pinterest for the keywords. If it's your main words that you want people to understand, you really want it to be something that's clear and easy to read and then large enough for them to see on mobile. So a lot of it is just the design. Sometimes it's the colors. Sometimes it's that the font is blending in with the background photo. So you just need to pay a lot of attention to your pin design because that's what's going to get someone to click over to even read the description, to click on to your post, to click through your product, whatever it is that you're trying to get them to click to. If they're not attracted to that initial pin, they're probably going to just keep scrolling. And as they keep scrolling past it, Pinterest is less likely to continue showing it to other people. Um, the other thing is Pinterest SEO. So with that, it's keywording things like your, your pin description, your board titles, your board descriptions, even your profile, your bio, those kinds of things. So making sure that you're making yourself easy to discover and making yourself easy for Pinterest to understand. Um, you want Pinterest to be able to get an idea of who you are, what you post about, what you pin about. Um, what kind of content you're an expert in. And those things are the things that are going to help them figure out who you are, what you're about. And then tell me what people are doing correctly. 
like things that you see, or even just, you know, give us some tips, what people should be doing things that maybe it's something that's so simple that we never thought about, or maybe it's something that it's so obvious that we miss what should be people be doing. So I think one of the, going back to the two mistakes, I guess. So I think one of the things people should be doing is, um, batching their content when it comes to Pinterest, when it comes to your pin design, you don't need to reinvent the wheel every time you create a pen graphic. It's okay to have a few templates that you love that you just keep reusing over and over again. So you can use a program like Canva, which has a wonderful free program. You don't have to use the paid version. And you can use that to create some templates you love, save them as templates so that you can just keep using them, make a copy of them, and then just filling your text, filling your images for your next post. So you don't need to be spending hours recreating pen graphics every single time. Um, Find a few that are working for you. Pay attention to your analytics. See what pens and what styles, what wording is showing up in your top pens over and over again, and help use that to help you decide what your future pens should look like. Do you need to change out some some of your templates? Are some templates working better than others? You can use those kinds of things to help you decide for future content what kind of pens to make. And then, as far as the SEO part of it. Um, if you're like me and you've been on Pinterest for a while, you probably have some old boards that maybe need to be updated a little bit. Maybe you used a really cutesy title for it and you need to change it to something that's more keyword friendly. So changing it from instead of like um, wanderlust journeys or something like that, where Pinterest has a harder time with those travel bucket list, places to go, um, travel destinations, things that are super easy and simple for Pinterest to understand for your board titles. Updating your board descriptions. I see a lot that have like hashtags or just keyword stuffing. Um, Take time to just write a few sentences about what can people expect to find on that board. Go through and just take some time one day, um, set aside some time one day to just go through those boards and optimize them. Um, And then do the same with your um, pin description. So take time to do a little bit of searching on Pinterest to see what are people actually looking for when it comes to the topics you're writing about and try to work those keywords naturally into your pen descriptions as well, especially the ones that are specific to that post, that content, that product, that sort of thing. Okay, and then how competitive is it? Like it just sounds, I mean, I guess, because really Pinterest, it's not like Facebook or Twitter or TikTok or Instagram where you're kind of just scrolling for entertainment. I mean, yeah, sometimes you do that on Pinterest. I know when it first came out, I did that a lot, but it is like YouTube in the sense that it is a search engine and a lot of people go there to use the search bar and look for specific things. And as we know, SEO is like crazy competitive, whether you're on Google or YouTube. So talk to me about how hard it is to get your pin in front of people. So it depends on the niche. Some niches are going to be more competitive, like food is a huge niche on Pinterest. So there's going to be a lot more people trying to create similar recipes Um, than there are in some of the other niches that aren't as huge on Pinterest. The good thing, though, is that um, as people interact with your pins, Pinterest is going to show them more of your content. As they search for things that are similar to what you post, Pinterest is more likely to show it. It's not truly just like Google, where um, it's more like YouTube, like you mentioned. On Google, you have to usually go in and search unless you're using like the Android app or something like that, where it's giving you Google Discover content. On Pinterest, you have that home feed when you log in that's kind of showing you things similar to what you searched for recently. So you have a chance to show up there, but then you also have a chance to show up in searches. So if you're optimizing it for that search and your pen starts ranking, those rankings similar to Google will be different for every person. So it's based on who they've interacted with, what they've interacted with, what they've searched for, that sort of thing. But you have a chance to rank with those pins. 
So you have a couple opportunities to be seen. I would say two of the big things to help your pins get out there, especially if you're a newer or a smaller account, would be using video content, especially if you're already on Instagram and doing reels, or if you're already on TikTok, repurpose those, those videos, upload them on Pinterest, and link them back to your related blog post if you have one. If you don't have one, maybe save it until you do have one. It's not gonna do as well if you link it back to TikTok or Instagram as it would if you link back to your blog probably 90% of the time. Um, but you can link those back to those related blog posts and use that to help um, grow your following on Pinterest as well as grow your audience so that Pinterest knows who to show it to. You can also get clicks from those. Another thing in this one, some bloggers love them, some bloggers hate them, but we've seen them work really well for smaller or newer accounts who are trying to beat that competition and get pins seen by someone is they used to be called story pins. Now they're called idea pins. The big problem and the big complaint people have is that they don't link out. So you can't link them to a blog post or something like that. But they are really helpful for growing your engagement and for growing your audience on Pinterest, which again, helps people see um, see your pins for your actual content later. So Pinterest gets an idea of who's, a, who's interested in your content, who's reacting to it, who's in getting engaged with it, um, who's following you, and then they can show your other content to them. So I would play around with idea pins um, see what you can create there. You can create them in Canva as well. You can create them on the mobile app. You can create them on the desktop. I will say the desktop version is the least user-friendly for that. Um, it's easier if you're on the desktop. If you need to have a decent amount of text, go ahead and make it in Canva and upload it instead. Um, otherwise, use the mobile app. The mobile app has a lot more, op more options for the idea pins. And just come up with um, something that could be completely done on Pinterest. So you don't want it to be like a, a clickbait type thing to a post. You don't even want to mention your URL in it. Pinterest has said to not do that. Um, but you can use it. So if you have, for example, um, 15 things to do in Paris, you could share five of them and do like top five things to do in Paris with a little tip for each one. And then just say at the end, like follow for more or um, Pinterest will automatically put in a follow slide at the end of it for your profile. So then it's still giving people some of the information from the blog post. If they like it, they're more likely to follow you or even click through to your profile, click through to your site, and then find that article there. Um, you can also do it for content where you don't have enough for a full blog post, but you still want to put that information out there and provide value to that audience. Okay, that's cool. Um, before idea pins, you mentioned video content. So is this like a way like I could repurpose an Instagram reel and I can just upload it to Pinterest and link to a blog post that... I, I have that relates to that reel. Exactly. So if you have like a banana bread recipe on your blog and you've made a reel showing how to make it, kind of the ingredients, the quick steps, you've shortened it down to like 15, 30 seconds, whatever, like a really short video clip, you can then upload that to Pinterest separately or to Tailwind if you're using that to schedule your, your pins. And you can add your pin description, add your blog post title, your pin title, um, add the URL to that blog post and just you've already got the content made so you might as well use it again. Um, you can do the same thing with TikToks. If you are doing YouTube, you can crop down those videos. Typically under a minute is best for Pinterest and really we see even shorter videos. So like 10 to 20 seconds hold people's attention better. Um, you could crop your YouTube video into a bunch of different little shorter segments and then link those to your YouTube, link those to your blog, link those to um, your products, that sort of thing too. So if you already have the video content, even if it's something you took for Instagram stories, you can repurpose that on Pinterest. Okay. That's genius because like it takes me a minute to put a reel together. So yeah, might as well like 
get as much use of it as you can. Okay. So when it comes to growing, Mm -hmm. explain tribes. Tribes is something that's a little over my head, but I feel like everybody's like, oh, you got to do tribes to grow on Pinterest. So like, what the hell is that? So they've actually changed the name. They realized that it wasn't as politically correct as they wanted it to be. And so they've changed it now to communities. Communities. Um, Here tribes, sometimes that's because people are still used to it. That was tribes for years and years. They just recently in the last year changed it to communities, um, probably in the last six or eight months even. Um, So what those are is it's through a program called Tailwind. Tailwind is a scheduling program for for Instagram and for Pinterest. Um, Most people use it for Pinterest over Instagram. The Instagram part is still newer and still growing. So what you can do with communities is um, you can join communities that are in your niche. I would not suggest joining the real general broad like pin everything type communities. You want to focus in on your niche. So if you're a vegan blogger, find vegan tribes or communities. If you're a travel blogger, find travel communities. If you are a um, interior designer, find interior design communities. And once you're in those communities, some of them you can join immediately. Some you have to just send a little message through Tailwind to the owner and ask to join. Once you're in for each pin that you share. So let's say I have a new brand new blog post I just published and I've created a pin for it and I want to pin it on Pinterest. When I pin it through Tailwind, it'll have an option to add it to communities at the bottom. When I add it, I can add it to any of the communities I'm in. I wouldn't add it to a whole bunch of them. I would pick one, two, maybe three at the most to add it to uh, because you'll see there's a lot of overlap in who's in those communities and you don't want them to see it in all the communities because they're only going to pin it once. But the people who are in that community can see that pin and add it to their schedule so it can go out on their Pinterest. You then have to repin someone else's. So it doesn't have to be the person who shared yours. So if I'm a vegan blogger and I'm in a food blogging community and someone who does not pin, not post about vegan recipes shares mine, I don't have to share one of their recipes that is not vegan. I can just find any other vegan recipe in that community and pin that. Some will have a, a one to two ratio required. So for every one you share, you have to share two from the community. Um, but most of them are one to one. So it can be a good way, especially if you're a newer, smaller account, it can be a really great way to get your commu- your pins out to a bigger community than just your following on Pinterest. Okay, got it. Shout out to the husband in the background. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't have um, to use commu- communities though. And in fact, if you have enough content to not really need them and a big enough like following and good enough engagement, you can just pin your own content. You don't have to use them. So with our clients, a lot of times it comes down to personal preference. Some don't mind pinning from other people. Some don't want to pin from other people. So it's completely up to you, but it's an option to try. And is it something that helps it helps you if you share other people's stuff or does it not matter? So it doesn't really matter so much anymore. The benefit is more in getting your thing shared than in sharing others. Um, but if you're, I wouldn't be sharing like hundreds of pins from communities, but if you're just sharing like, 10, 15 pens to a community and sharing 15 from it each month. You just want to make sure you have a pretty good ratio and have, I usually try to have a lot more of the client's content than community content. So if you're pinning 15 pens from communities, I would say you need to be pinning at least 30 of your own during that month as well, or something like that. You want to be pinning more of your own than the communities, unless you're brand new to blogging, you may only have a few posts, Um, then you might be using communities just to help build up the content on your boards and help Pinterest get to know who you are, what you're about, what you're going to be pinning. Um, But as you're more established and have more content, you probably don't need to use communities as much. 
Okay. One last question before we go into outsourcing this, if this is something you don't want to do on your own. And that is, we talk a lot about creating a pin to drive traffic to a blog post, but where else can you drive traffic besides those individual blog posts? So there's a lot of options. If you go into your Pinterest account and go to settings and then look on the left side, it'll have an option for claim. There's a lot of accounts that you can actually claim through Pinterest now. Obviously, the main one is your website. You can actually claim multiple websites. So we have some clients who have a blog, but they also have like a Shopify site or <clears throat> who have multiple blogs on multiple different and multiple different domains that they want to claim. You can claim all of those and that's totally fine. Um, you can also claim your Instagram. You can claim YouTube. They have an option to claim Shopify there as well. They do not have an option yet to claim TikTok. I wouldn't be surprised if in the future that comes around. Um, but anything that you've claimed, you have a better chance of it getting pushed out to your audience than things that are not from your claimed site. So if I'm pinning my own content, that's going to be seen more often than if I'm pinning your content on my own account. Um, so a lot of YouTubers will use it to help with their YouTube videos. They can create pins just like they would for a blog post and then link it to their YouTube videos. Um, product sellers will use it for their products. You can just pin images of the products. You can make text overlay pins for your products, show videos of how your product is solving a problem for people or how it's used. Um, you also have service providers who will use Pinterest to get information out there about their services. It's a great place to grow your email list. If you have like freebies or lead magnets that you're using to get people into your list and nurture them towards a future sale, um, you can use it to promote those freebies. Um, or lead magnets. I'm trying to think. I think those are the big ones probably. Okay. And then let's talk about outsourcing because this is either something that people A, don't want to do or B, they don't have the time to do. So it's a good time to outsource. So when people outsource, what should they look for in hiring somebody? So I think the biggest thing going into hiring someone is to think about your return on investment and then it's not always going to be a dollar for dollar return on investment. So it's not like, well, I'm paying a, a Pinterest manager just for easy round numbers, $100. So I should expect to make $100 more from my website because of that. Um, think about it as you're getting the time. Um, the best time to do it is when you need the time back. As a business owner, as a blogger, chances are you have a never ending to-do list. Um, if you can turn over Pinterest to someone who knows what they're doing, you can get that chunk of time that you are using on Pinterest and use that for more money generating tasks, whether that's creating new blog posts, creating new products, creating new lead magnets, um, creating new podcast episodes, creating new YouTube videos, whatever it is, you can use it to um, that time that you were using on Pinterest or to learn Pinterest or to figure it out to keep up with all the changes, you can use that towards your business. Um, so I think that's one of the biggest things that people come in and will ask is if I'm paying you X number of dollars, I, I want to be able to make X number of dollars more. And that's not always how it works. Pinterest does tend to be a slow burn. So I think realize the, that it's not going to be like overnight success if you hand it over to someone, even if they know what they're doing. It takes a few months for those changes to set in, for Pinterest to see them, Pinterest to recognize those changes and for the traffic to start increasing it's still an algorithm. So obviously that no Pinterest manager has control over the algorithm. If they did, they would have all the clients um, that I wish that we did have the control over it, but there can be unforeseen circumstances that come up with Pinterest where there's changes, there's spam filter issues, things like that. Um, I think some of the things to ask when you're going in, don't be afraid to ask for um, case studies. You can, I always have case studies that I'm able to provide for different niches. 
Um, I don't give the client names for the most part, unless a client wants to name themselves or if they've given permission. So don't, you, I wouldn't go in asking like, well, who all do you work for? Um, but you could ask for some case studies to see what type of growth is expected. Um, they should not guarantee any kind of growth because again, that can't be guaranteed. We have people who will sometimes want a specific number. Well, I want to know that you can give me 50% growth or 10% growth. Um, but they should be able to provide some case studies of what they've been able to do for similar accounts. Um, I would also go into it expecting to be able to be more hands off. Um, you don't want someone who you're having to constantly micromanage because then you're not really saving that time to be able to do those money generating tasks with your business. You're stuck constantly emailing them, constantly checking in on them. Um, so you want to be able to find someone who you have a good feeling about that you can hand it over to them, not have to worry about it. Um, and then look for someone well, we do discovery calls. We find that it helps. Um, get to know the client before, see if they're a good fit for us, see if we're a good fit for them. So don't be afraid to ask for a discovery call if they don't have one that they're offering um, to see if that's someone that you can get along with, see if it's someone you feel comfortable with, see if it's someone who can communicate clearly because that communication aspect is going to be really important. Um, we, we send monthly reports to our clients to help them understand what's going on with their account because we really want them to not have to touch it. Um, not have to log in and try to figure out their analytics on their own. So see if it's see if they offer something like that. Think about what services you're wanting, what your budget is going in, and then expect to be with that person for at least three to six months so that you can start seeing the results. I hope that answered everything. Yeah, no, that was amazing. I don't have any more questions, but this is your field of expertise. So maybe there's something that I should have asked, but I didn't. Um, I can say one question that comes up a lot in different Facebook groups and um, on Instagram and that sort of thing is manual pinning versus tailwind pinning. So if you'd like, I can talk a little bit about the differences. Yeah, there. I would have There's a lot of rumors going around about it. <laughs> um, so a lot of the questions that we get from potential clients as well as just in Facebook groups, things like that, is about is there a difference in manually pinning? So pinning directly from your blog to Pinterest or uploading it manually to Pinterest or using a scheduling tool like Tailwind. There are other scheduling tools out there. Just make sure it's one that's approved by Pinterest. Uh, they have their list on their site that you can use. Um, in general, for most accounts, we don't see a huge difference, but we do see that there's a benefit to doing a mix of both. We see that manual pinning tends to have the more like immediate takeoff. So you get that big, um, brush of impressions, some traffic, that sort of thing right away. Whereas tailwind ones we're seeing tend to be more of a slow burn where at first it may not get much, but if you're looking a week or two weeks, a month, two months later, it's caught up to that manual pin. As far as which ones are ranking, we're not seeing a difference in terms of which ones are ranking. I will say that it does differ for every account. So instead of going on a Facebook group and seeing what other people are doing, I would say test it on your own account. So take a couple of images, or a couple of pins, pin them, pin some of them manually, pin some of them through Tailwind, and then track those URLs over a few months, not just over a day or two, because over a day or two, the manual pin will almost always win. But check a, a couple months later, a week later, um, a few months down the road and see which one's doing better then, because that's going to give you <laughs> better insight into it than just a Facebook group and hearing what other people are saying. I think if you have the time to use the Pinterest scheduling tool, you can use that. It, only allows you to schedule up to two weeks in advance. So for 
a lot of people who want to be more hands-off but do it themselves, that's not enough time. They don't want to have to do it every two weeks. They want to go in like once a month or once every every couple months and schedule out. Um, or they just have so many pins that it's not super user-friendly yet, so it takes a lot longer to use it. So I think if time is a concern, still use Tailwind. You can still manually pin every once in a while, but use Tailwind. Whereas if time isn't really an issue or you're not pinning super frequently, maybe you're just pinning once a day, you could use the Pinterest scheduler, save that money on Tailwind, and be able to see similar results either way. So I think that's one of the big questions that usually comes up. Okay. Very interesting. Um, I didn't even, I mean, I guess it makes sense that Pinterest would have their own scheduler because, you know, Facebook does and you can schedule things on YouTube, but okay, cool. Good to know. I'm going to link to your social media in the show notes for this episode. Um, going to link to pinnovationmedia.com for people who want to learn more. Is there anything else we can leave people with before we say goodbye, Christine? Um, I don't think so. I've, I have not been great about posting on Instagram, but I'm trying to do better about doing some more like Instagram lives, that sort of thing. I am on um, Clubhouse as well and do some um, Inst- or Pinterest-focused rooms there as well. That My username on there is just Penovation because Penovation Media was too long. Um, but I'm trying to do better about sharing more. I also have a free um, Pinterest audit at penovationmedia.com where it's a five-day email series that just takes you through things to check like those board descriptions that we talked about um, board titles, your bio, um, those kinds of things. And it gives you like one piece of homework each day so that it's a little bit more manageable instead of here's everything at once, figure it out. So you can sign up and get that. And then I send out monthly emails. Um, I'm trying to get better about sending them bi-monthly, but that talks about any new features on Pinterest that have come out, any changes, what to be pinning that month based on seasonality, based on trending topics. So if that's something that you're interested in, you can sign up to get that at penovationmedia.com also. Okay, perfect. I will link to that in the show notes. Thank you, Christine. Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much for listening. And I am linking to everything we discussed right here in the show notes for this episode. You can also find me on Pinterest. I am working with Christine currently, and she is helping me pin all of the things in all of the places to get more traffic to my new and improved blog, christinaallday.com.